back on Fictional Frontiers. This is James Barinelli time on Fictional Frontiers. James is the founder of RealViews.net. He's the best online film critic in America, and this is a Real Take segment with us. And James, we just spoke to you last week, but that's you know the way say, things are going to be going. Like it hasn't been that long. No, no, but that's the way things are going to be going in the next couple of weeks because the summer movie season actually starts in March now, and you get kind of you know smaller, middle-sized films, and then you you know make your way up to Avengers Endgame. We're going to talk about that in a moment as well because I just looked at my Twitter feed, and evidently Avengers Endgame broke the all-time pre-sales record in six hours. So, so am, I, am I guessing that I'm going to be on on the 25th? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there is a screening before then, right? Yeah, we will both yeah, be seeing screen, Avengers Endgame. The screening, Endgame, the screening is me. early, is, is prior to the 25th, so we will hopefully both be in a position where by the 25th we can... Uh, discuss, uh, I don't know if I'll use the word intelligently, but with uh, at least with an informed perspective. Well, one thing I know you and I will make certain not to do, and that's drink a lot of coffee or drink anything caffeinated before going into that show, because we're going to be entering Lord of the Rings territory with that project. Well, I'm still not going to make it through all three hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, before we get to Shazam, which is what we're going to talk about this week, Let's go ahead and talk about Avengers for a moment. We were going to talk about it at the end of the show, but what's your take on the length of the film? It's three hours and five minutes. Well, I've... at the moment it is. I have heard little little birdies have told me that they are trying to find ways, to, you know, a snip here, a snip there, to get that under three hours. Now, it's not going to be a lot under. I mean, we're not talking about cutting 30 minutes out of it. We're, we're more likely in the, in the range of... Uh, you know, five, six type minutes. But there, there is a, I don't know whether it's a psychological thing, they, they would like to get that under under three hours if, if they can. Well, I think that makes sense. It's almost like the notion that it's better to charge $1.99 versus $2 because of the perception more than anything else. And when I spoke to my wife about the length of the film, and I said it was three hours and five minutes. She said, three hours and five minutes? <laughs> and I said, well, Lord of the Rings was longer than that. She said, but three hours and five minutes? She couldn't believe that a superhero film was going to be three hours and five minutes in length. Well, so I'm let trying me to figure out what, the, I, uh, what the last film that I saw that was over three hours was. I think it was The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight, yeah. That's what I was thinking as well. That's what I, I was thinking don't well. think there was, there's been anything after that. that well, do you think that a superhero film warrants that length? I mean, I know it's the culmination. It's really but... tough to make that call without seeing the movie. Right, right. You know, it, it, uh, you know, there's a, there's a saying that a good movie, no good movie is ever long enough, and no bad movie is ever ever short enough. Mm, mm, well said. So, if they truly have enough story to justify. 182 minutes, then sure. I mean, it becomes a matter of when you're sitting in your movie, in your in your theater seat, and you're there. And if if that movie really holds your attention for three hours, which is difficult to do, then it's three hours well spent. The problem is if you get into that movie, and an hour, an hour and 15 minutes into the movie, you're starting to look at your watch. And you're starting to like 
you know, pull at that wedgie in your pants. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things that you do when you're not entirely invested in a movie. Right. Then, uh, that, then, then it's probably too long. I mean, Shazam is too long. It's not three hours and two minutes long, but it's too long. I mean, you know, there's, there's the, the problem that you sometimes run into with movies like this is it's the last Avengers, at least of this cycle. It's, it, it, it's, it's the conclusion. There's a sense that in order for it to be truly epic, it needs to have an epic length as well. Um, the question is, how how much of that three hours is because it really needs three hours to tell the story, and how much is because it's sort of an indulgence, because it's the last, you know, it is what it is, it represents a lot. Um, you know, I don't know, and I won't know in, you know, for, in three weeks I'll know, but right now I don't know. Um, and it's it's not fair for me to really remark on the validity of the length of the film until I've seen it, because I have seen three-hour films that have completely and totally enraptured me. I mean, Titanic, you know, when it was over, I couldn't believe it was three, that, that three hours had gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there have been other long films where it's been like, it's been torture to sit through them. So, you know, We'll just have to see. We'll have to see. You know, I I will say that after Captain Marvel, I have some misgivings now about Avengers Endgame that I didn't have prior to it. Because Captain Marvel really kind of cranked up the deus ex machina uh, possibilities for Avengers Endgame. And... I mean, let's be frank. Comic books are not exactly known for their airtight plotting. (laughs) But it's a medium that allows that. I mean, when I'm reading a comic book, now granted I haven't really read a comic book in a long time, but when I was reading comic books, I didn't hold them to the same standard that I held other forms of uh, reading material to, because it is a different medium. You have to sort of enter into uh, a series of expectations where comic books are concerned. So, you know, I, I would sit there, I would read them, and I would enjoy them. And, and you know, because you, you, you get the artwork along with the, uh, the story, and, and I always found it to be a very enjoyable medium. But when you cross the line into movies, you're not in that comic book milieu anymore. You've moved into the motion picture uh, category, and expectations are a little bit different there because you're not dealing with, you know, six um, frames per page for 20 pages or so. So you're you're talking about maybe 120 images for a comic book. You're talking about, you know, tw- you know. How much I can't I can't do the math right now at 28 frames per second. <laughs> I mean, you're thousands and thousands of images for a motion picture. It's just an entirely different thing. So some stuff you can get away with, like the ultimate nullifier, to kind of you know varnish or you know buff up my that's a nice name there. So yeah, the ultimate nullifier you can get away with in a comic book, yeah. not 
maybe not so much in a movie. No. Uh, the fake ultimate nullifier, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> that was even a little shaky in the comic book. Oh, but, yes. uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know that that uh, it still got away with it. You'd never get away with that in a movie. Um, well, with it, the comic book industry, what's interesting is that most of the times with these epic crossovers, the last issue was always the weakest, I felt. They kind of wrapped things up to a certain extent, but it ended up being a big slugfest. And I'm worried about that with this film because, yes, we have this core team here, and obviously we're going to be talking about this after we see it, but um, I'm concerned that there's not enough story to tell, and perhaps what they're going to do is they're going to fill up the remaining time with the Return of the King-type ending where there's ending after ending after ending. That's what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of character moments during the course of the movie. Yes. I don't know that it's going to be... I, I think it's going to have a very slow... Uh, not slow. Gradual start. You're going to see a lot of stuff early in the movie about how people are adjusting to the new world with 50% of the population gone. And I don't know why they couldn't have taken Captain Marvel with them. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, it's still, they had to take Black Panther instead. Instead, they left us with Captain Marvel and took Black Panther. I mean, <laughs> T'Challa. I mean, <laughs> it's very interesting who they chose because you have Rocket Raccoon, you have Nebula. Um, yeah, so they left all the annoying ones. They, uh, <laughs> they chose the characters they did. I, I'm just curious to see how they're going to incorporate these characters and also how they're going to. Um, deal with fans who fell in love with the other characters who are on the screen for what seems to be the bulk of the film. We don't know if they're going to come back midway through or what have you. They're obviously going to come back, but a lot uh, of the characters... I think, they're going to, I think there's... Uh, my sense, just, just my sense, there, there are two, two things that will happen in this movie. Well, the first is, again, I think it's going to be a gradual ramp up to anything happening because... I agree. Uh, then you're going to have a lot of these character-building moments. You're going to have this retro, you know, these these regrets, you know. And then finally, the the Avengers, you know, Tony Stark. Somebody's going to figure out something that they might be able to do. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like Act One is all that. Act Two is going to be resetting what happened. Um. You know, going going back and undoing what Thanos did, which is going to involve hand waving and you know, maybe it'll be time travel, you know, an alternate universe, something else, something something there. And I don't think that's where the sacrifices are going to be. Uh, and I think that that they're going to get everybody back. Okay. And I think they are going to un- somehow undo what Thanos did. Well, then, of course, Thanos is... I ex- I don't expect Thanos to be playing much of a role at all in the first two-thirds of this movie. Because he's done. I mean, he did what he set out to do, and now he's sitting back on his planet relaxing, you know, enjoying his retirement. <laughs> and he's sitting there, and then somebody goes... And then they go and undo all the work, hard work that he did. So now he's got to put the Infinity Gauntlet back on and uh, go go back. And now he's got to deal with the miscreants. And that's when we have the big battle royale. And that's when things have changed. And that's when the, whatever the secret weapon that they have is, <clears throat> Captain Marvel, um, <laughs> comes into play. 
and they're going to have they're going to be some sacrifices um you know you kind of get the sense that uh you know Steve Rogers and 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 Tony Stark are both uh, headed for the uh, exit sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, one thing is very clear. It speaks of confidence, this length. I think that if they weren't confident that fans were going to sit through this and they were going to be turned by turned off excuse me, by the length of it, they would have not had the film this long. They might have gone for two and a half hours. But when you have a three-hour and five-minute film, like I said, the closest thing it reminds me of is the Lord of the Rings trilogy because with that trilogy... Every film became more and more popular as it was going through its run, and Peter Jackson and his team knew that people wanted the crescendo. They wanted the ending that was going to be epic in scope and yeah. And emotion, Peter Jackson so and and they were willing to take a chance. Had that ending in front of them. Good point. And yes. so did most of the fans. Yes. I mean, I that's a very you know, point, obviously actually. there were some people that saw Lord of the Rings that didn't know how it was going to end. But I would wager that's that's a pretty small minority, actually. I think most of the people that saw Lord of the Rings, that sat through those long movies, knew what the ending was, and they were just interested in seeing it play out, seeing, you know, how how it would be, how Jackson would craft it. Um, so it's different here. This is not based on any any previously written material at least that's what we're led to believe it's not based on any previously written material this is an entirely unique experience and i don't think it doesn't it's going to make about the same amount of money whether it's horrible or whether it's great it's not you know the same number of people roughly are going to see it either way i mean mm-hmm. it's 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 an event movie and it's the event movie, actually. Well, <laughs> that or Star Wars. I don't know which is... Well, it's funny. I saw on Twitter uh, Stefano Sissipas, who's number eight in the world, uh, in the world tennis rankings on the ATP tour, was asked... Uh, actually, I asked him. <laughs> I have to confess. I said, Star Wars or Marvel? He's a 20-year-old, okay? He said Marvel. So... Well, of course, a 20-year-old is going to say Marvel. <laughs> so times hey, ask, are a change. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's funny because the people on Twitter, the Star Wars fans got on him. And uh, not that I'm a social media master by any stretch of the imagination. I put a gif on there of Han Solo uh, saying, this is where the fun begins. (laughs) Because I knew there was going to be this conflict, this internal conflict. And it's funny when we're talking about internal conflicts and which universe is more popular or greater, what have you. The DC Universe is still trying to get started, and Aquaman did very well last year. Wonder Woman did very well the year before, and now we've got this film, Shazam. You had a chance to see the film. Actually, before we get to Shazam. Okay, before we get to Shazam, okay. Because I want to follow up on that. Which, which, which is the bigger date for genre fans? Is it Thursday, April 25th? Or is it Sunday, May 19th? Hmm. Okay, what's Sunday, May 19th, first of all? Maybe you can give me a hint. It's the last episode of Game of Thrones. Hmm. I would say that uh, the April date is still bigger, not because 
of the vested interest by genre fans across the board. Uh, but because you have a bigger pool you're pulling from, you have people of all ages. I don't think you're going to see most 10, 11-year-olds going to see Avengers Endgame. My son, as a matter of well, fact, I would hope that most 10 and 11-year-olds are not watching games. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Actually, in the overseas markets, not to compare those markets to over here, but Game of Thrones is heavily edited in those countries, like uh, uh, UAE and a lot of the Middle Eastern countries. So you do have younger people actually watching the shows. They cut down on the violence and the sexuality. So maybe there are younger fans globally I would, who are watching. I would say that, yeah, if you're, but if, you, if you're looking at an age breakdown, if you, if you go under the under-18 crowd, then yes. obviously Avengers is a much Hands bigger. down, yes. I think when you start when you get over the eighteen crowd, I think it it shifts to Game of Thrones. Mm. I think that the I mean Game of Thrones because it's on television and because it's spread out over six weeks instead of just one drop in one day. I think that the the attendant hype for Game of Thrones is actually bigger than it is for. Avengers. So you think Game of Thrones for genre fans is even bigger than Star Wars right now? Oh, definitely. Okay, okay. Now, maybe it's because Star Wars is six, well, eight months off. Star Wars is not on a lot of people's radar right now, unless you're a, a big Star Wars fan. Well, I am going well, to Star Wars Celebration to to this Star weekend. Star Wars Celebration. Well, I am going, I am going, and I'll let you know. I'm going on Sunday. Uh, I'm attending the event, and... Hopefully there'll be some announcements there that'll get me excited. I know that they're going to be announcing some stuff related to the Clone Wars, and there is that rumor that there will be an announcement about an Obi-Wan Kenobi television series with Ewan McGregor. I'm hoping that's going to be the case. Maybe that will get people excited, not to the degree, obviously, of uh, Game of Thrones or Avengers or The Last yeah, Star I mean, Wars I film, think but... with... with, with um, one of the things, I really feel that... Maybe, I, I guess Disney's approach is they want... They don't want to start the hype for Star Wars until Avengers is done. I agree with you. Yeah, I think that's um, the case. So, yeah, the rumor, the rumor is, oh, yeah, there's going to be some sort of a trailer at... Uh, there has to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. At the celebration, and they're, they're probably going to release it. But the, 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 the rumor is that, the, that that's going to be sort of a real quick teaser. That's mm. not going to be the... There's going to be something bigger uh, at the associated with uh, uh, in, uh, Endgame, Infinity, and uh, in Avengers Endgame. Well, Hayden Christensen is going to be at the uh, Star Wars Celebration event, so well, maybe that's a hint of things. Some of the rumors he filmed something for uh, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe he'll be a part of that. Episode nine. Well, yeah, you know, the the whatever distaste there was for the prequels is seems to have pretty much evaporated. <laughs> the prequels are the good old days, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's in true. every There's way, no, form, or fashion. Nothing to make people more nostalgic for movies they didn't like at the time than there is the uh, a span of intervening years and newer movies that just don't quite match up to what you were expecting. I agree, to. I agree. Well, what about Shazam? Let's talk about that for a moment because it's... Uh, it's a you film that's been liking to be. Shazam! Today. You can't just say well, Shazam. Okay. There's an exclamation mark there. <laughs> Shazam! Okay. Um, what did you think about the film? Obviously, it's being released in April. It's not what you would call a summer blockbuster in the sense that it's supposed to do numbers like a Spider Man, but 
a fun film, right? An overall fun film. Yeah, too long. Okay. A uh, little bit meandering. I mean, there's it, it's a little overstuffed. They've got a bit too much going on in there. But overall, very yeah, very fun movie. Um, Is it for all ages? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple things. That, I mean, the, the, you know, it's if it's if somebody saw Venom and wasn't too freaked out, uh, they can probably handle this. It's got it's got things in it that look a lot like that. Oh, really? Okay. And the other thing is it it uh, it it works a little bit on the uh, the demythologizing of uh, Santa Claus. So. And Zachary Levy's performance did it meet the standards necessary to kind of pull this off? He looked pretty strong in the trailers. Well, yeah, he gets that Tom Hanks vibe once in a while. Okay. Okay. The movie is very very overtly, uh, intentionally. Uh, Reflective of big, to the point where there is actually a very obvious Valentine to big in the movie involving a giant light-up piano keyboard. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, eventually, it gets serious, and unfortunately, it eventually gets very generic because you have good guy, bad guy, good guy and bad guy must meet, and. I guess guess who's going to win that struggle? Um, <laughs> Here, here's a guess. hint. This is not Avengers: Infinity War. Right. There's your hint. So, so is it a spoiler for me to say the good guy wins? Oh, maybe I just ruined the ending for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, well, how does this film fit into the? DC Universe. I know DC is taking a different approach with this film. They're going for more of the standalone film uh, process or method, so to speak. They don't want to have an interconnected universe yet. Do you think that this will eventually reach a point where they right. will bring this character together? Now I'm going to enter territory that could be considered spoiler territory. Okay, okay. This is not reve- revealing any plot details, anything about what happens in uh, in Shazam, but there is a moment. It actually probably would have been better if it were a post-credits moment. But there is a moment in the film where it sort of opens things up a little bit. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm going to talk not in. Well, I mean, it's, it's I'm going to talk a little bit about it now. So turn the radio off if you if you don't want to know. Uh, the the producers approached Henry Cavill, wanted him to do a cameo mm-hmm. as Superman in the movie. Uh, he unfortunately was a, was too busy doing uh, Mission Impossible Four or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> you know, the one that he ended up having to have his mustache digitally removed so he could go back and do reshoots for Justice League. Mm-hmm. Well, they also wanted him to do a, a cameo, which would have been one day's work for Shazam. They couldn't do it. Nevertheless, they kept the scene in. Uh, The way they got around it, though, is Superman is in the movie, but only from his neck down. Mm. You don't see his head. The camera shoots just from the neck down. Oh, wow, okay. So you get the whole Superman suit. You know it's Superman, but, uh, you know, and it's, it's a it's a fun moment. It's not like he comes in and saves the day or anything like that. He has nothing to do with the plot in as 
as it stands, what it does is it establishes that this movie is taking place in the DC Extended Universe. There are multiple references to Batman. Hmm. The spoiler territory is over now, by the way. Okay. There are multiple references to Batman as an entity, a real entity, not a guy who's just done a bunch of movies. Um, you know, there, there's, and there's a, uh, a collectible item that one character has, which is a bullet that hit Superman and got squished. Mm, okay. So it's a it's an and it's been like authenticated or something like you know collectibles are all authenticated. So this this has been authenticated. This is an authentic bullet that hit Superman. So everything in the movie establishes that Shazam is taking place within the so-called DC extended universe. Um. So they have the uh, they have the option of it, I would say. Much as Deadpool is taking place within the, some some version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course it would be the Fox version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because up until this year there were it was separate. Now, of course, every the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe is in complete chaos now that uh, the X Men and the uh, Fantastic Four and all the various villains have come home to roost now. Um, but they could put they could put Shazam into the, the the overall DC universe, but he would not be a particularly good fit um, because the tone of this movie is radically different from that of even the more lighthearted. Do we want to use that term? Mm. DC movies? I mean, what is the most light... I guess Aquaman would be the most lighthearted of the DC movies. Yes? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm talking about uh, post-Nolan. Yeah, I would definitely say that. Yeah, so I mean, that's... Aquaman being your previous laugh riot, um, this one sort of tops it. It it goes... It's trying very much for the, um, the Deadpool vibe albeit for a PG-13 audience. Maybe a better comparison is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which had that sort of sardonic wit about yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's some of that here. It's This is not as as good a movie as, you know, either of those films. Not surprising. But it it has some of that. I laughed quite a bit during this movie. Well, James, it sounds like this is... Uh basically the appetizer to Avengers Endgame is what it comes down to and it's kind of sad but it's kind of expected given the fact that DC seems to always be kind of pulling up the rear I know the DC fans are probably going to email me and get upset about that but I'm glad we're able to touch base and talk about this before Endgame because I don't know if we're going to be able to talk before then but what's really interesting I think really kind of sums up the entire conversation we've had today is that we meant to talk about Shazam (laughs) We were going to put Avengers Endgame at the end of the show. The bulk of this show was about Avengers Endgame anyway. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I think that kind of explains everything. A nice little appetizer, and uh, let's get ready for the main course. Again, James Barinelli, founder of RealViews.net. He's the best online film critic in America. James, we will talk to you in two weeks uh, about a certain little film with uh, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs>